I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They're building a tower. The witness knows that straight away. The construction site is clearly visible from his apartment's guano-spattered French windows, overlooking the rotten little balcony that is never used. It's going to be a tower. It has to be. He stands behind the glass, sipping at his coffee, and waits to confirm his awful suspicions. Fences have been erected, forming a grand defensive square, all of the way from the pavement to the canal's edge to the railway tracks that separate the town from the surrounding marshlands. These barricades have been softened with corporate branding, a repeating pattern of handsome faces in hard hats and messaging about careful and considerate construction, visible only to outsiders as they walk past. Within the square itself, All vegetable and animal life has been extinguished. Only dust is left behind. Minuscule figures move back and forth across the construction site, casting long and spiny shadows across the sand. The witness watches it all, unseen. He gazes balefully down at the verminous cascades of workers, then up again at the empty sky over the marshlands, the gorgeous dull void which will soon be occupied by the hateful sight of, it can only be, the tower. The tower does not exist yet, but it already feels like an invasion. On the third day, the workers begin hollowing out a pit for the foundations. That's how it always begins, the witness observes. You have to excavate if you're going to build. Tarnished yellow diggers gather around the centre of the site, churning up oozing black topsoil between their teeth, seeking out the bedrock beneath the sodden marshlands. The pit grows deeper, and deeper still. Workers vanish into its moor and do not return. This is a sign. 
The deeper you dig, the higher you're going to build. The increasingly monstrous dimensions of this particular pit, the witness estimates gravely, indicate an appalling height to come. Twenty or thirty floors at least, a teetering horror plunging its stilt-like legs into the helpless earth. The witness observes every detail in silence and in hatred, sucking hard at the straw from his orange juice carton in long, drawn-out breaths until he hears a nasty cardboard death rattle and relents. They're building a tower, all right. There can be no doubt about that. And when, in fact, he slopes across to the spattered balcony glass in his boxer shorts the following morning to observe that several lorries have pulled up into the square bearing a load of great steel struts, he swallows hard and whispers aloud, I knew it. I knew it. They've only gone and done it now. He spends the next hour taking up different positions across the cramped space of the apartment, testing the theory that surely, when the tower is built, there will be no single place free from its baleful sight. He could be standing in the kitchen. He could be watching TV from the red leather sofa. No matter where he is, the tower will always be watching him from beyond the white spatter of the French windows. No doubt about it now. They're building a tower. But who are they? What is their greater purpose here? And most importantly, how can they be stopped? Action is required. Settling in front of his laptop each morning close to dawn, the witness rapidly initiates an online war against the establishment on several fronts at once, taking on multiple identities and speaking in assorted tongues agreeing violently with himself, spreading the discussion across every forum and every network. Agro underscore 25. It's a disgrace. What are they going to do about the noise? Why weren't we consulted? Concerned mother, 41. My children have been up crying all night. Is it council flats? We don't want any of those sorts of people here. This is a safe part of town. Truth underscore 2 underscore power. The view is ruined. What are you doing this for? Why doesn't anyone talk to us? Kyoto, Tokyo. You tell them at truth underscore two underscore power. Pete, nothing else. Tagging the council. Hope they see how many people here have complained and walk this back. Eventually, his enemies seem to comprehend that they are being deliberately attacked by coordinated efforts. His accounts are blocked by unseen forces wherever they surface and his letters go ignored. One night, in a fit of beer-fueled frustration and recklessness, the witness goes too far. He posts an edited group photo of the town council online. Their faces have been circled, crudely and menacingly, in red. Fight back begins 219. Think people deserve to see the faces of the traitors who approved this eyesore of building? How much did they pay you? Deserve what's coming to all of you. Know what I mean? Justice is coming. Better watch your back. Fight back begins 219. At Carol underscore J underscore S. How do your kids feel about you turning on this town, Carol? You have a lot to lose. Better think about the voice of the people. Fight back begins 219. 
At Gov Police. Better investigate some of this lot. Fraud, I'm certain. The witness wakes late the following morning, still dressed and sprawled across the red leather sofa. His mind clagged with achy self-loathing, and the obscure amnesiac terror that he must surely have done something awful last night. Was it murder? Theft? Did he leave the flat and stir up carnage across the town? Or did he call someone from his past and tell them the truth of his feelings? Halfway through his shower, he remembers exactly what he did, and stumbles back out in the towel to log in, already imagining the sound of the riot squad hammering on the door. The witness deletes all of the messages, which have not been engaged with. He deletes his remaining accounts. He resolves to be a cannier and more careful enemy to the tower from this moment on. The tower is growing fast. It is becoming bone. Tapering steel fingers have risen up from out of the polished ground, glowing white and hot in the dismal spring light, bound together by horizontal beams as if, as if clawing ineffectually through the loops of a cage. Multiple trucks and lorries have gathered in worshipful circles around the base. Colossal crimson cranes have been assembled, their heads tilted towards the imagined spire, some hundreds of feet into the empty air. It's disgusting, the witness thinks. An insult, a humiliation. Why did nobody think of us before they decided to build it? Why weren't we consulted? It shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have to look at it. On his free nights, the witness begins to make appearances at the bar on the end of the street, looking for allies. He isn't certain exactly what he has in mind, but he's open to anything. Perhaps a volunteer group, or collective petition, or guerrilla warfare outfit that could be marshalled against the tower under his leadership. Yet again, he is disappointed by the rest of humanity. The locals in the bar have already accepted the tower as a certainty, and refuse to brook any arguments against it. They insist that the jobs because there will be jobs with a tower of that size, will provide a boost to the town's economy. That the view of the marshlands beyond the canal was never that pleasant anyway, and that a little noise and disruption is only to be expected. Something is happening in this town at last. That's the main thing. The witness has rehearsed a passionate speech about the power of collective resistance and the need for solidarity in the face of oppression, but finds that people invariably begin drifting away from him before he can get into the meat of it. Enough is enough. Our species has always been corruptible, gullible and afraid. This is why exceptional individuals are so often needed to set things straight. He's barely had time to clean his apartment out since the campaign began. Scattered, half-eaten four-packs of pastries and torn crisp packages litter the sideboards. There's milk standing out in its bottle, several weeks old, and phlegmy tissues are still lingering in the corners of the floor where they've been dropped. The symptoms of a noble life, dedicated to something beyond the ordinary. 
Occasionally he begins to think that he can hear the scuttling and skitter of vermin, loose in the spaces behind the apartment's walls. But he finds the sound a welcome respite from the usual silence, and besides he has far too much going on to be concerned with such things. I don't need gratitude, the witness tells himself, staring out at the tower in anticipated triumph. And I don't need wealth. So long as I do the right thing, I'll be recognised in the end. The witness orders the ammonia and the nails online, as two separate packages, because these two ingredients are universally known and it's good to get a head start on things. For the rest of the recipe, he begins to run incognito internet searches, choosing the wording very precisely to avoid any undue attention from the establishment. How to make bomb, research for novel. Writing book, need to know explosive making. And, just to throw the scent off, copyright, secret agent, book, exciting thriller. The witness begins to create a shopping list based on what he finds. That night he notices that the skeleton of the tower has grown again, its fingers overlapping at the very height of the building's frame, and the cranes have stretched their necks skywards, their heads tipped with satanic red lights to ward away low-flying aircraft. It feels like a declaration of war. It's only once the first delivery arrives that the witness realises his mistake. Nails can be very effectively used to disintegrate human beings in bomb-making, but have very little impact on structural masonry. He is a little unnerved by his own thoughtlessness. He's been sleeping less recently, it's true. The crimson lights of the cranes blaze unstoppably through the flimsy curtains in his bedroom from dusk till dawn, and the agitated, multi-limbed noises from behind the walls come to him in uncertain intervals at all hours of the night. But none of this is any excuse for thoughtlessness. Not when so very much is at stake. The nails go unopened into a cupboard. The rest of the ingredients begin to show up. There is glass climbing up the sides of the tower, iridescent blue shimmering mirrors curving about the frame, and the witness finds himself standing before his own windows for hours at a time, his coffee growing cold, awestruck at the mental image of all his work coming to climax. The glass shattering, spilling out across the dust of the horrid construction site, as the tower's frame caves in and collapses back into the fathomless pit beneath the town, vanishing into nothing. It's a lovely thought. I'll still be standing here, he promises the tower, when you are lying in ruins and all the little people below are wondering what could possibly have become of you. Whatever is moving in the walls seems to be growing louder. Sometimes it's higher up, an insistent metallic scratching sound from near the ceiling. Sometimes it seems to be coming from right beneath his feet. There's a peculiar growth in the corners of the apartment too, a speckling of black-brown fungus that gathers near the refrigerator and the light sockets. 
This is the tower's doing, the witness tells himself. It becomes more beautiful and solid and sound, a monument to wealth and power, while all around it, real people turn to decay. The unwashed piles of laundry upon the sofa, the discarded pizza boxes, are becoming unpleasant to look at. He avoids them whenever possible. Instead, the witness prefers to spend his free time standing before the French windows, bathed in the blue light of the tower. There's already an astonishing sense of permanence to the structure, half complete as it is, as if the tower's wholeness has been writ already in the coral glass and the great bony birds that bow to it. Masking his mouth with a damp t-shirt pressed around the lower half of his face and clamped into place with his chin, the witness finishes his first complete attempt at a bomb. It stands before him, a mess of conjoined wires and turpentine in a thick can that was once filled with gloss paint. He isn't certain he's got all of it right, but it already feels like a dangerous object, ugly as it is, ingenious in its complexity, savage in its crudeness. To have given birth to such a thing fills him with unspeakable pride. He has never felt so fulfilled, never in life, perhaps only playing some strategy game on the easiest setting, where you trample countries and burn the great capitals and conquer the known world. This is the instrument of the tower's unmaking, he announces to the empty flat. Alone in the endless pine forests beyond the town, the witness places the bomb down in a carrier bag on a tree stump in an empty grove. He sets the timer and begins to lope back towards the safety of the trees. The explosion comes early, and it's both too much and too little. The noise freaks him out, the sheer spontaneous energy of the thing, coming a few seconds early before he's even had a chance to settle himself in his hiding place. A big, comedic sound, an awful heat, a joyous rush of wind, the rustling of the leaves beneath him as he topples backwards into the bracken, the rustling of the leaves all around him as the paint-can shrapnel embeds itself into the earth and amongst the trees. But once he's stopped shaking and whimpering and pulled himself back upright and walked to the blackened impact wound in the heart of the grove, the witness's doubts begin to grow. The crater is only small. The noise, although his ears are still howling, was perhaps more a puff than a bang. Perhaps this kind of explosive will not be enough to bring down the tower. It will not rip the steel foundations from the earth. None of it will come crumbling down. But then again, the witness hypothesises on the following morning, staring out at the glorious edifice of oceanic cathedral glass, perhaps it's better if the tower doesn't come down. If the bomb causes just a little fear, just a little damage enough to put an end to the construction work and frighten off the stakeholders and leave the tower unoccupied and alone upon the marshlands, an empty chapel to the witness's own crusade, well, that might just be the best outcome of all. He watches through the night until the sun rises, the light spreading across his tower. The light 
dimming across his tower. At some point, the witness becomes vaguely aware that this daily vigil has turned into a distraction, that the hours he should spend in bomb-making, or practising his parkour, uh, jumping energetically up from the floor onto the sofa, from the sofa onto the table, in order to break into the construction site, these hours have slipped away from him. He is spending altogether too much time behind the shit-spattered window of his apartment, gazing out at the tower. And there are others in town, he begins to notice, who are doing the same. An older lady, weighed down by her shopping bags and an excessive swaddle of scarves, lingers on the corner by the canal with her head turned upwards and stares. A lonely teenager slumps at the bus stop beneath the witness's window, her hood overshadowing her face. Get a job, the witness mutters jealously to himself. Find something to do with yourself, you bums, you hopeless cases. What's the matter with you? He tries drawing the curtains to prevent himself from staring at the tower, but the truth is that he can still feel the itch of it from behind the thin white cloth. The tower will always be there, looking into the heart of him, waiting for him to look back. The witness no longer sleeps. Lying in his bed amongst the piles of mouldering laundry and chip-butty breakfast, he lifts his hands over his head, casting tall and noble silhouettes across the ceiling in neon-blue lagoons of moonlight. Days and nights pass like this. One evening soon, the witness will don his mail-order balaclava, slip out into the street and across the pavement, leap over the fence, he's practised this now, it isn't hard, and plant his explosive in the belly of the tower. Perhaps he'll circle around the empty pavements for a while first, just to throw off any security cameras that are watching, but this seems like something that can be settled in the moment of action itself, it isn't something he needs to worry about now. And the glass will blow, and the ground will shake, And even if it doesn't, this will all be according to his, the witness's, design. And in the morning, the tiny workers will be gathered around the base of his tower, not daring to come too close, not ever again. It will be a glorious moment, the greatest of his life, when it comes, when he allows it to come. Days and nights pass like this. Until the morning, the witness staggers across the French windows behind the balcony and tears the flimsy curtains to one side to discover that he's been betrayed. There are new steel frames set into the ground beside the tower. To the north, to the east, to the west, new foundations have been laid. Fresh skeletons stand across the widening plain of the construction site, waiting for their flesh to be filled. They aren't building a tower at all, the witness realises in growing horror. They're building a village, a town, a city. And he turns back to his bomb on the table, ready to seize the unfinished thing up and bear it into the heart of the construction site himself. No. No, the witness does not turn. 
The bomb sits waiting for him on the side, wrapped in plastic bags, an ill-prepared and hideous mass of internet purchases and cobbled-together chemistry. But he does not turn. He stands where he is, staring, in absolute astonishment, at something he should really have noticed before. The spire of the tower has come together. A great twisted cone of glass, its sides converging and narrowing into a colossal rounded dome, the curve of something fleshy and ungainly and vast. A cathedral's spire, not an office block's. He's never seen something that felt so complete, so entire and absolute in its own monstrous sense of self. How did I ever think, he marvels, that I was capable of destroying it? How could I consider myself the equal to such a thing? Twilight passes over the glass of the tower, and rippling waves of blue and deep purple pass across his face and hands. The witness cannot move, cannot avert his gaze. Wrapped, he watches the tower and the world that's reflected in it. You could spend a lifetime charting the course of the great steel fingers, surging upwards and breaking outwards through a sea of fathomless glass. You could look at it forever. The witness watches quite forgetting to blink. It's only some hours later, his belly gurgling unhappily as the morning mist clears over the tower's spire, that the witness begins to consider the possibility that he is confined here. His legs will not move. His arms will not rouse themselves from his sides to draw the curtains and block out the gaze of the tower. And the more he dwells upon the possibility, the more he begins to find that he's resistant to the very thought of turning his eyes from it now. What if I look away, he thinks, and when I turn back, it's gone? What if I was never supposed to see it whole? And so the witness does not move does not avert his gaze. There are others out on the street now, he realises, visible from the very peripheries of his weeping eyes. Dozens of others, occupying the pavements and the roads. Frozen, like him, and gazing blissfully upwards. That's all right, he thinks, happiness swelling in his heart. There's no more need for jealousy. This is a sight to be shared with other eyes. Around the base of the tower, other structures rise and grow. On the third night of his vigil, the witness notices that the noises from behind the walls have grown more distinct. There's the shuffling, multi-legged sound of something happily investigating his biscuit wrappers, like a small dog playing amongst leaves. He can hear them gnawing on whatever entrails and leftovers he'd abandoned to the chaos of the apartment. There's the pitter-patter of feet upon the kitchen counter. There's the pitter-patter of feet upon his trouser leg. The tiny claws digging into the fat of his lower back 
and then up onto his shoulder. He does not move, cannot move. His eyes remain fixed on the tower. The expanding town beneath it is coming into focus. A sea of rooftops and spires and rolling glass. If he were to look, he'd guess that the construction site has now begun breaking across the pavement to occupy the spaces that he's coming increasingly to see as the old town. And if he were to look, he might confirm his suspicions that the distant grinding of diggers and tolling of wrecking bells was now emanating from the pubs and tenements and off-licenses of the old town being torn to the ground. He does not look. There's pressure around his ankles now, something fat and heavy exploring the exposed skin beneath his dressing gown. He imagines them like a construction crew, slithering from floor to floor of his body, calling out to one another from above to below. By the time the food runs out, he's lost all track of the days and nights. The city around the tower's base has drawn both further and closer. The glittering steel and glass structures are rising up across the flat marshlands, breaking the level of the horizon. In the light, he can hear the workers discussing idle things beneath the window of his apartment. In the darkness, he's left to himself with the creatures that swarm across his body and play tug-of-war with his unresisting dressing gown. He waits patiently, for change to come as change must. He waits for the tower to provide his salvation. And when the first bite finally arrives, it feels cautious, a mere nip, as if two sharp nails are catching at the skin of his cheek, some tiny mind testing the outlandish theory that landscape may also be food. The pain is a release. The second bite is more confident, and as the skin rips and he feels the blood trail swelling next to his staring eye, he senses another of the verminous bodies driving its teeth into the flesh of his arm, and yet another is waddling up the vertical plane of his leg to burrow its head into his unresisting belly. The pain is a release, and the agony is not so much in the end. The sound of scuttling feet on linoleum is coming from every direction, and the mouths are furiously at work across every part of him, finding new burrows and crevices beneath the skin, and he's awash in delicate, widening streams of crimson. He can feel the flabby and untended parts of himself being caved inwards, loose skin and fat being torn industriously away, opening up the secret interior of himself for all to see. This is how it happens, the witness thinks delightedly to himself. This is what I was waiting for all this time. He keeps his eyes fixed on the great glass monument behind his window as the creatures feed. The deeper they excavate, the higher they'll build. I will become a tower. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.